You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. When in the field, accuracy and precision count. That's why we switch our slug guns to rifle barrels, tune our arrows, and use a fish finder on the water. But why should our drive for control end there? The Tappacue Q line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and the cooking chamber. Tappacue uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the U.S., along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a Tappacue meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit tappacue.com or find the link in the show notes and use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your cue. Welcome to the Hunt of War podcast, powered by Sportsman's Nation, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos, fork in hand, beer in the other, no status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 82, Weekday Wild Game with Sophie May. On this episode of the Hunt of War, Nick calls up Sophie May author of the website Wife of a Hunter. Sophie finds herself as the solo cook in her house, while her husband, father, and even herself go hunting. When game enters the kitchen, she takes it upon herself to transform it into meals. Sophie explains that for her family's biggest hurdle is picky eaters who are not a fan of the wild funk many of us enjoy. If this sounds like your household, then stay tuned. We got some good picky palate pleaser and weekday wild game talk on the way well hey folks beautiful night here in michigan i tell you summer is holding on with that last little bit doing another recording outside it's like maybe low 70s right now this is the time of year where it's it's awkward because at the time of this recording it's going to be well october 1st will be tomorrow it's september 30th today and opening day is tomorrow which is super exciting but it's also i'm sitting outside in a t-shirt which means the whitetail has not gotten out of their beds yet they're going to be slowly heading over to feed i'm hoping that some cooler temperatures do arrive here at some point but yeah so good luck to all those Michigan hunters out there. I hope that by the time this episode drops, there have been a bunch of posts of big deer being dropped here in this early season. Sometimes 
there's just not enough time to make a French style braise or be able to reduce a stock into a demi gloss. Like we just don't have time for that. We got soccer practice. We got lives. We have jobs, and hungry family members, busy weeknights, and these picky palates that always seem to come up can be challenging. And so tonight, I thought it would be great to uh, ring up Sophie May. She is the blog writer for Wife of a Hunter, and she is on Instagram at Wife of a Hunter Cooks. Sophie, thank you so much for just jumping on this evening to for a quick chat. I'm so glad to be here. So down in Texas, how are things going on down there? Um, you just got done kind of kicking in that you you got out into some waterfowl and you actually went on a teal hunt just recently. Yeah, um, and it was great. That hunt was awesome. I mean, it is still really hot here. We had a cool kick last week, and I was super excited, hoping that it wasn't going to get up into the 90s anymore. And it was 95 degrees out at my place of work out at the quarry today. And it was humid as ever. <laughs> oh, man. That's the worst when it, uh, when it's humidity and heat. You know, the mm-hmm. friends out over there in Arizona, they're like, oh, it's a dry heat. It's fine. But, oh, man, when you mix the two, it's just almost unbearable. Yes, it's horrible. <laughs> I thought I'd escaped it when I left Houston, but... Apparently, San Antonio isn't as dry as everyone thinks. (laughs) (laughs) It may have some sand, but it's not full desert at that point. Exactly. (laughs) So, Sophie, you decided to create a blog that, as as I'm looking for, you're going to have to clarify a little bit for us, that you really focused on, like, the weekday meals and meals that you want to make for your family or for your husband or for your wife that, you know, you're using wild game on almost an everyday basis. Yes, exactly. So I kind of got a weird start into the food game. Um, I was a collegiate athlete. I played at Auburn University, and then I took it back home to get my master's at UTSA. And I found out that I really enjoyed cooking and baking while I was in college. Um, Even though they were bringing in food for us all the time, it was kind of my way to procrastinate studying and doing my homework. I would just go to the kitchen and cook. And when I first met my now husband, he actually suggested the idea of starting an Instagram. Um, That's, I mean, there were people before me that had kind of made their Instagram cooking pages, but I feel like it was kind of around that time when lots of that was booming. And so I thought, heck, why not? And he started just your everyday food page called Sophie Eats. And it went nowhere. We didn't have the time. We were college students, again, studying. He was a collegiate football player, so he was busy. And I think there's maybe six posts on that account and (laughs) it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't until we got married and he actually went hunting a lot with my father that I sat in the kitchen started messing around with wild game and it originally started with copying recipes he um, got several cookbooks and we were doing recipes from that And then I just started doing my own thing. I was like, heck, well, let's see what I can do. And then he was like, okay, we made that old Instagram. We're going to make a new one. What should we call it? And that's when I thought, I bet there's a lot of women out there whose husbands go off and hunt and they bring home this meat and they have no idea what they're doing. Not to be sexist or anything like that, but... A lot of women do do the cooking, and I'm one of those women. I do do the occasional hunt, but I'm, I like to cook, and so what am I going to do with this meat? And when you go to these recipes online, they're just so – they're either they're fried, it's sausage, it's come from pre-processed meat, um, or it's something really complicated. And I work. I don't have time for that. I'm out in the quarry from 6 – a.m. to 5 p.m. I what am I going to do? And so I started thinking, well, there's a slow cooker, Instapot, um, just like bake sheet bake meals. Uh, What can I do? 
that's going to be fast and get food on the table or something on the weekend where we're doing yard work or we're training our puppy that I can leave in a slow cooker and leave it and forget it and let it cook. And so that's when I thought wife of a hunter, I'm a wife of a hunter. Um, why don't I make that my name? And unfortunately that's not available on Instagram. So I made it wife of a hunter cooks, but we got the, the website going and it's pretty much just taken off from there. Um, I started this in February and my, my following is growing faster than I, I ever thought was possible. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. And you're right. You know, people flock to things that work. And as far as it, like, this is the big thing is that, you know, there's a lot of people, especially, you know, yeah. Housewives that, or even working women, that they're stuck mm-hmm. with, you know, I love to cook. And so that's one of the things that I've, I've worked myself into the kitchen. Now I'm not every day. And there's a lot of times where my wife is like, why do you go through all of these dishes? Like you made just such this beautiful looking dish, but you used four to five pans on this. And so there's some times where it's like, you know mm-hmm. what, maybe I got to back off a little bit and do something that's a, a one pan, you know, one, you know, yeah, one pot wonder that I can do on a weeknight, you know, we got soccer practice, we got basketball or we got whatever is, is coming up, but you're right. Exactly. There's, there's that moment too, where the hunter does bring in the meat. And if, if they're not willing to cook it, they're willing to bring in the meat and they slap it down, like in this big, you know, testosterone way, like, ah, there I provided. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like you provided a big lunk of meat here. Now we got to do something with it. Exactly. And it can be really daunting. Like I know a lot of my friends would not have a single clue what to do with a piece of venison or a wild hog. And so I'm just trying to make it something that's a lot easier to understand for any, any, any person, whether it be a woman, a man, whoever's cook, doing the cooking in your household that just may not know the wild game sphere just making it easy for them. When that animal comes into your kitchen, has it first been to the processor or have you guys jumped into the hurdle of doing your home, your own home butchery? Yes. So growing up, we processed everything that we got. My dad actually has a deer lease. So he was constantly bringing home deer, but bringing it to be processed. So that's what I grew up knowing. And I thought that was the way to go. Someone else does it for me. But when I married my husband and we were kind of navigating that sphere on our own, it can be really expensive. And while it's an easy thing to do, because you just get to drop it off and pick it up when it's ready, it's really pricey and not they might not necessarily fit your budget. Um, so it is, it's something we've made time for, but we do try to process or butcher everything ourselves. Um, it, it, it's a, it's very time consuming. We usually have to set aside a day to do it, but my husband's been reading books on it, um, researching it. He, it's just something he's been very interested in. And so we've actually switched to, um, butchering the animals ourselves, and he's been teaching me and it's it's so much I don't know I really like it because I know that I'm the animal I shot is the animal that's in my freezer um I think you talked about it on actually your most recent podcast but when you send it off to the the processor as much as you want the animal you're getting to be your own you there's no way to tell unless you're just hovering over the person processing it, which no (laughs) one does. (laughs) So I like knowing that the deer that was out in the field that I shot or whatever animal it is, is the one that's in my freezer. And I, I, I take so much satisfaction in that. Good, good. Yeah. I love you brought up the point of two. It was like, it it is a money savings that, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you are, you're paying, you're paying somebody who has gone through, the education, the schooling of it, even if it's just through, and you know, actually talking with um, the American butcher, he uh, he was saying that sometimes it's like they just hand a guy a knife and they're like, "Hey, you're just gonna have to learn on the job." And mm-hmm. you no, know, there's a large learning curve there, and so they do earn their licks going along yeah. in that shop. And so 
you know, when it comes to a professional being able to do it, they do. They do an amazing job. It's quick. It's fast. But at the same time, if you want a professional job, you have to pay for that professional job. And some folks are just, you know, money's tight. And this is, you know, this might already be a money saving thing. Although I don't, I don't really talk about how much money I do spend on my hunting gear, but it's like that, that ain't cheap. We're, we're getting yes. into, we're getting into Wagyu beef here if we're, yes. we're going to account exactly. for anything. But I love how you bring that up, and then at the same time, like, you took all the effort to go get that animal, and you wanted to be a full part of uh, this process, and, yeah, to, like, hand it off to somebody else to do that for you, it, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of a disconnect. It, it seems it seems oddly jarring. So, yeah, being able to have that animal to through its full extent, so being able to, to butcher that. So what have, what's been some of your... Um, best material for working your way through butchering an animal is it the millennial route of being on youtube or is it are you guys what books have you found or uh literature that that folks could could take a look at yeah so uh Ronella has some information in his cookbooks um I know that one day when we have the money to afford it, I'm pretty sure it's Jesse Griffith. He actually holds a camp where he takes you out to hunt and then shows you how to butcher the animal. And I know that's like a major bucket list item for us because, I mean, Jesse Griffith has a restaurant out here in Austin, Texas. I think I don't even I butcher the name if I even try to say it, but that's definitely um a great source he has cookbooks as well um i think those are the main two places that my husband has done book research wise and then just online he will just devour any information he can find online he is the biggest researcher on whatever topic you give him and i love him for that um and he's also a great teacher, so he can break it down. He'll read super complicated stuff and just break it down. But YouTube videos are amazing. Um, but, yeah, mainly those two people, Jesse Griffith and Stephen Ronella. Yeah, they've been a real big help, I think, to, to folks diving into, um, yeah, that, that big undertaking of making this now something that I'm doing at home, the home butchering mm-hmm. aspect of it. And I know Jesse has just a world of knowledge to be able yes. to go through. So any content that he puts out, you best be listening and paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He is very impressive. <laughs> we actually went to his restaurant. Um, we have small game tags for Lake Georgetown, um, which is outside of Austin. And one of our another bucket list item that he's on is going to that restaurant. And um, we hit it kind of at a weird time, but he has like sausage and stuff in a um, like a storefront in his restaurant. And we got some of his pork sausage, wild pork sausage. Oh, my goodness. It was so good. Highly recommend if you're ever in Austin, Texas, checking out his restaurant. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I've not been to that part of the country yet. That's still on mm-hmm. uh, on my my list to go to. So yeah, we'll have to definitely do that. And now I have a destination. I gotta head. In, I gotta yes. head over to Austin. <laughs> so I know we talked a little bit about this on just being able to get something that's uh, unique to ourselves. That we're, we're taking on this undertaking of being a part of our food. But what does what does wild game offer that's different? than domestic like what is what does wild game offer that domestic cannot um besides just being a different meat from your everyday chicken or um just normal pork and beef um it gives you a different flavor it also gives um the opportunity like i talked about before to know where your food is coming from um it's not pumped with salt water like some of the chicken is nowadays um it also for me at least I make it a challenge it offers a challenge for me because my father so right now my husband and I live with my parents while we try to get on our feet but my dad is the pickiest game eater I have ever (laughs) met the man loves to hunt but he is the pickiest. He's like the worst hunter, the kind that doesn't even like the meat that he shoots. And so it has become a challenge for me, a fun one, 
to give him something that I cook. Cause I don't, as much as I would love to cook with wild game every day, um, we just don't have enough in the freezer to make that sustainable as something we strive for in the future. But I like to give him something I cook and see if he even notices if it's wild or not. And so it's become a little game for me to even see if he notices. Um, and most of the time he doesn't, which is, I, I like to pat myself on the back for that. Cause I don't know if you're a picky eater, that means, or you have someone in your family that's a picky eater, that means you'll eat the food that I'm putting out there. But um, I don't know. I just like that challenge um, of seeing if he can even tell. Because most of the time, if you tell a person that they're eating game, they'll, they'll say they notice it. But if they have no idea, they'll eat it and just not even know. And I, it's such a mental thing. It's crazy. It's so crazy. It really is. It's a game that is soon, yeah, it's something triggers in your brain. Now, I'm not a picky eater at all. I I love, I mean, there's only a few things in this world that I won't eat. One of them being olives. I just, I can't handle <laughs> You're like olives. You're my husband. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just something about the texture. It's not even the saltiness. It's just something about the taste. It's just off. But I mm-hmm. haven't found anything other than that. You know, granted, I haven't been all the way around the world. So I still have a lot of things to try. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I'm just not that big. I'm just not that picky of eater. My brother, on the other hand, though, I kind of put him in the same position as your dad. Does your dad, when his food, when two items that aren't necessarily supposed to touch, will he then avoid that strip that wasn't t- that that are now touching? So he's not like that, but no. my mom is. My uh, mom, my mom would like go out of her way to separate her food. She does not like her food touching. So I guess I have the both of those extremes in my family that I'm trying to serve. Oh to. my goodness! Because yeah, at Thanksgiving, uh, without a doubt, I will peek over at my brother's plate when it, when things are about done, and it <laughs> looks like spokes of a tire because like. There, there was gravy on the corn, and those kernels do not get eaten. And a little bit of the cranberry <laughs> mixed like with the stuffing, and he's like, "Nope, that just doesn't happen." And it's like, oh, but so then at the funny. same time, you look at mine, and I've licked mine clean, but I know like there was mixing and matching and going on oh, all over there at absolutely. that place. Absolutely. And he just, nope, it cannot, it cannot <laughs> do that. I have not attempted to feed my brother uh, venison or anything wild game, just because A, his attitude, but then B, his, I, I would guess back to the attitude, his mindset is, I don't like it. He's not yeah. open to the idea of even trying it, whereas your your dad is like, well, first off, come on, dad, your daughter is has this Instagram account. <laughs> she, she posts blogs about it. She really is working on the whole wild game concept, and he must just blindly like go into every meal be like, oh, this must be beef. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I remember he, he hates wild pork. The man will shoot a hog but hates it, and I made these dumplings, and I pretended like it was normal pork, and he had no idea. I mean, as long as you get the glands out and I like to marinate it, that helps a lot. You don't, you can't, you can't tell. I know the taste that he's talking about. And so I'll know if it's a recipe that he'll be able to pick out if it has wild pork in it. But if you do it right, you cannot tell. And so it's just that it's a mind game. And I think, I think it was like a Bo Jackson story. Auburn war eagle um (laughs) he talked about like he he's likes hunting and he shot a raccoon I think and he served it at the dinner table and the guy he served it to had no idea like he just had no idea because it's it's such a it's a mental game and once you can get past the mental side of it it's just neat it it really is and it tastes good (laughs) (laughs) so as a lot of your cooking and we're going we're gonna to get into some specifics here in a little bit. So a lot of your cooking, you're using either venison, wild wild uh, hog. Uh, you're going to have some teal, sounds like you're going to get a chance to work with here. Is it about packaging it in a way that is familiar? 
or is it more about like just masking the flavors? Um, so good question. Um, how I guess how I would approach this question is how I pick out a recipe, I guess, and when I get meat put in front of me, my first thing I do is what does this taste like? Um, and for venison and some poultry, wild poultry, uh, it can have a more beefy taste. And so then my mind starts going towards beefy flavors, beefy recipes. And then I do have a, a list in my notes app of recipes I want to try. But it's really like, what am I craving in the moment and what meat in the freezer can fit that? Um, so, for example, gator. Gator has a very chickeny taste. And so my mind goes to, well, what tastes like chicken? And at the time, I was really craving like a white lasagna. And so I made a white gator lasagna. And instead of using chicken in that, I used gator. So I guess it's a familiarity and how I want to cook something. Like this weekend, I'm going to test out my mom's roast recipe on an Axis deer roast. But in the same time, if it's something that I know might have a quote unquote stronger flavor, um, I might try to, I guess, mask it. Um, so for wild pork, if it's a, a, um, a pig that is going to have that stronger, um, gamey, I guess, flavor. My husband hates it when I use that because he's like, it's called gamey, but I like it. But if it has that gamey flavor that you you know that it's going to have, I, I guess I do try to mask it a little bit just to um, tone it down for someone like my father who wouldn't like it because I want everyone in my family to eat it. I want them to all enjoy my cooking. That's my goal with every recipe is for everyone to like it. Nice, nice. I like that approach. Um, I also, like your husband, I've been – I try to stay away from the term – gamey period yes. and i refer to it almost like a cheese connoisseur would and i refer to it for refer to strong non corn and soybean flavors as funk and yes <laughs> in in a blue cheese there are there are variations a blue cheese is like a family cuz there there's a whole host of family of these blue cheeses and they really emphasize the funk and there's a time and a place and a purpose and then there's also mm -hmm. like you said flip side like well you know what i just want a smooth creamy gouda that has not the funk on it at that point mm -hmm. so that's how i've i've termed it as far as as funk but i like how you said too like depending on the person that i'm cooking for do they want the funk do they not and you know, exactly. thank the Lord for Asian flavors because you just throw on a bunch of gochujang or exactly. <laughs> soy sauce and she gone. <laughs> Funk <Yeah>. is gone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anytime I'm working with a meat that I know is going to have that stronger flavor, I usually tend to head towards the Asian um, flavor. Like I had, like I said, the dumplings, or I even did the jerk pulled pork sliders, something that has a lot of flavor to kind of work with the the strong flavor of the meat. Nice, nice. Um, but even, like you said, packaging it up like a dumpling, it's, mm -hmm. it's non-invasive. Like, you set out, like, these cute little, like, wrapped-up packages of meat that have... You know, you probably your coleslaw or your excuse me, your cabbage that's shredded up in there, and mm -hmm. you got some spiced meat in it. Like, there ain't a there ain't a person alive that would turn that down. You know, right? especially after I mean, just this so hot good. little dumpling, and you have these dipping sauces. My my wife's grandfather spent time during uh, I think it was Vietnam. It, it must have been Vietnam. Anyway, he spent time in Japan. He was never on. Um, the the peninsula of uh, Vietnam at that point. He was off in Japan at that point. His big thing was they brought things 
across, and that was one of the stopping points, and he was a mechanic. So he would basically work on either planes or anything that was then getting shipped over to Vietnam and then trying to then take pieces of things they brought back that were now (laughs) shot up and holed up. And so he actually spent time there, and he got a recipe of uh, gyoza. And it's it's like a it's like a a dumpling, but the whole thing's like deep fried. So anyway, mm-hmm. at least in that house, they deep fried them. And I tell you what, that has been an easy transition for venison ground. It could be an old buck, it could be a young doe. Like those things just turn out amazing every time. Yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so good. So when you're packaging or when you're putting these together, yeah, you're, like you're making your dumplings um, or even like the gator, like sliding it into layers of pasta, that is not a direction I would ever thought. Even though if you look at some of the noodles from lasagna, it kind of has that like gator back wave to it, I guess. <laughs> that would be the only connection that I see. But man, what a what a big jump in creativity to be like, I'm going to make lasagna out of gator. Yeah, it was just... Especially with gator, the two big ones people, or I guess it's kind of three, is the fried, the burger, and the sausage. And we have, I mean, if you kill a gator, you're going to have a ton of meat. So we have shelves on shelves of gator meat in our freezer. And we just, we really didn't know what to do with it. And I have a stuffed bell pepper recipe for it. I mean, I really just start thinking it tastes like chicken. What tastes good with chicken? What recipes do I like? What dishes do I like that taste like chicken? And then I start thinking of how that meat prepares. And then I start kind of meshing the two together on how I'm going to get that dish to unfold. Um, it sounds really fancy. It's not. My my brain gears just start turning and it just starts falling into place. Like I, I grind the gator meat. Um, I season it and cook it. And then everything that goes in the lasagna is cooked. So you're basically just baking it till that cheese melts on top. And I mean, that might be, I I say this with every recipe I put out, but it's probably a top five recipe that I've made it because it's just different. Um, I mean, the stuffed bell pepper one was good. It's just, it's thinking of ways that aren't out because there's so many different ways to prepare wild game but there's there's the normal directions everyone goes to because they're easy or it's what's out there it's just taking that jump off the path to well what else can i do right right there's there's a there's the the novel ones that are that are there in front of you that Mm -hmm. you know what that's that's the first ones you're going to go or then like you said now you've got 30 in your top five that now you have to choose from (laughs) You know, be it like a you know a gator lasagna, and that's going to be one that you you go back to, and absolutely, you know, that's going to be one you just kind of hold that close. And I think probably just as a as a wild game cook, it's you're going to have some that fail, and yes. you're going to have oh my goodness. you're going <laughs> to feed your dog a load of something, or it's like the family was super disappointed. And I'm eating something that I've, you know, messed up. And I'm like, you know, at that point, it's it's pride is taking over. I made yes. these squirrel uh, yeast buns. I called them bushy tail buns. And <laughs> they it, it really worked out. Like, in my mind, it worked out. And the flavors worked. But my proportions were totally off. These things were <laughs> the size of, like, hamburger buns. Like, they were just massive. And mm-hmm. so, like, no, like my little, like my, my boys, like ate two bites, and they're like, "All right, full bye." Like, well, shoot, what am I gonna do about this? <laughs> and my wife was like, "Honey, I can't, I can't finish this thing." It's like, it, you just had like it was a yeast roll, and it, it was a massive one, and at that point, and then it was all stuffed with meat and cheese and onions, and it was like, oh boy, I have now a week because there's six more of these suckers sitting here. I ended up cutting them in half because it was like, man, my proportions <laughs> were all off, and it just kind of like. You know, if I go back again, like I know, like okay, this is going to be an appetizer. I'm not like use a fraction of the amount of dough that I used because otherwise, yeah, at that point, the like the uniqueness of like the squirrel meat 
and having that shredded on the inside, it was delicious, but at the same time, totally lost in the recipe. Yeah, absolutely. I have done that so many times. <laughs> I have a Klobosnik recipe on my website, which is exactly what you're talking about, um, where it's has the dough on the outside, meat in the middle. And it took me so many tries to first get the dough, the consistency that I wanted it and then get that ratio, right? Cause man, the dough was so sticky or, um, actually have a Reddit account and I'll post recipes every once in a while on it. Someone gave me a recipe suggestion of, they had eaten at some restaurant down in Florida where, um, the restaurant had put like pineapple in their fish sandwich. It was like in the bun. And they were like, I challenge you to make this. I, I, that is, I had to give up cause I had tried that recipe so many times and it just was not working. Um, the bread was too dense or it just wouldn't set up. I, and I don't like to give up. I had to give up on that recipe because so much of my time and money was going into getting that bun right and not working. Oh, it was so frustrating. <laughs> the three quarters of the the grocery budget was into <laughs> baking products yes. and pineapples. It was horrible. <laughs> and they were and it wasn't even edible what I was making. I was like, what am it was like caramelizing the pineapple. Like I'd put pineapple juice in it, but it was caramelizing it in a way that was absolutely revolting. Oh my goodness. It was awful. I mean, that was like right when I started up my account, but Oh, it was so frustrating. I was like, man, am I even doing that? Like, should I even be doing this? Cause this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you get those. Yeah. The white whale that's gonna you know be in front of you you're just never going to conquer it and at that point i like what you said you gave it your best college try i mean division one auburn you gave it a great shot but (laughs) you just gotta let it go yeah like maybe one day when i've learned some technique that i just don't know i'll come back to that but that has been tabled and i have not looked back at it since the several weeks i spent trying to I think it ended up being several months just trying to crack that recipe and it just not working. It was, and I mean, we only have so much, that was another thing it came down to. We only have so much fish in the freezer too, that I was just going through fish trying to like, it got to the point where I was just making buns on the weekend and not any meat trying to get the, it was bad. It was so bad. (laughs) Just wanted to take a time out and say thank you. To the listeners for tuning in, it really does mean a lot. I would also appreciate that if you haven't already left a rating or review, uh, to go ahead and do that. It all helps folks find us and get on board using and enjoying their wild game more. Feel free to chat with us and ask questions either on Facebook, The Huntivore, or Instagram, at Huntivore. Got a recipe you think is dynamite and want to share? Or have some show topic ideas? Email us at huntivore at gmail.com. For even more hunting and fishing podcasts by real, relatable sportsmen, head over to Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, which happens to be a 2% for conservation company, who give 1% of their earnings and 1% of their time helping out the wildlife and wild places we all love. Now, back to the show. When when you started this whole thing, like mm-hmm. you had mentioned, you you liked cooking, and then you know at that point your husband at that point boyfriend is the time. This is kind of a tangent back to where we were talking before, but I think it's still good that in I don't know in our day and age, I've had a couple conversations lately with people that why did you start a podcast? Like, and then a lot of it was like I guess I just didn't have an outlet for the hobby that that I'm in. So at least that's where where I got mine started. Like, what was the big driver between you just cooking and having a good time with that and feeding your family? When did all of a sudden things switch to where now you had a Reddit account and now you're trying to make all these <laughs> these pineapple buns? Or, <laughs> but posting your your creations and your recipes. Like, what? Where did that? Where did that drive come from, and what is this doing, 
I, I think it's hard to explain for some people, but it's like, why do you have the need to share this online? Yeah, absolutely. That's an amazing question. Um, I think it just came from, I, this is a hobby for me. I love to cook. I love to bake. Um, and I like to be creative and the things I was creating when I was in the kitchen were, I, I hate patting my own back, but they were good. They were pretty good. And it ended up being something that I wanted to share. Um, my dad works with a lot of people who hunt and it got to the point where they were like, oh, she likes to cook. What are her recipes? Or we have... I had he had a friend who had a moose in the freezer that they just weren't using does she want it and so then I'd have something with moose um it just became something where people were interested in what I was doing my husband has been my number one supporter from the get-go um like I said with the Sophie Eats <laughs> Instagram account but it just became something where I thought heck why don't I start sharing what I'm making maybe someone will want to know an easier way to cook with whatever meat that is being brought home to them or they're getting out in the field and they just want something different to do in the kitchen um and then my husband once we made the account he started doing all the hard work of well how do we grow it hashtags, um, different social medias, Facebook, Reddit, how are we going to grow the account? Because in some instances, people can fund their hobby with what they're doing. And I've been fortunate enough to get an LEM partnership, which is great because um, the grinder we had been working with previous to LEM was a rinky dink, cheapo, something you should never buy um, <laughs> grinder and it was loud it worked too hard then it like it it just it worked it was bad and I've been fortunate enough to see that maybe one day it can fund what I'm doing I mean I I still I work in a quarry I'm this is not my livelihood that I'm doing it's still just a hobby but it's been nice to see that something that is a hobby I can at least get a sort of way to improve what I'm doing like I was still cranking out recipes with that rinky dink grinder but it has making this account has made it easier and definitely more fun because man that grinder would take forever and it, <laughs> it would overheat so it's just it's been a like that was never my like never my intention to fund my hobby it was more to share it with people but it has been a nice side gig i guess but, yeah i mean I, I i don't i don't i have yet to make any money from it i mean i have gotten an lem grinder and stuff but i don't get paid <laughs> <laughs> You do it for the love of the game at that point, yes. as as somebody would put from baseball. They're not, you're never going to make millions on the practice squad, but you just love going in every exactly. single Exactly. And day. I'll definitely I, – I know that a lot of people say it, but I don't partner with anybody. Like I, like, I like to make sure that what I'm putting out there is good. For example, the – boot partnership I just did I love those boots I mean I'm not getting paid by you going and buying them I'm just putting it out there for y'all to if you want some boots go go get those ones but no payment just just a friend living living the life American dream working hard doing a side hobby <laughs> awesome and then yeah getting a perk here here and there so yes amen exactly Amen on that. All right. We're going to get into some nitty gritties here because, you know what, we're, we're coming up to some busy weeks. There's going to be a lot of, I know up here in the Midwest, we are going to be in the time where we're, we're in some extended seasons. Here in Michigan, we are, um, well, we've got deer. We've got a lot of deer. 
But there's a lot of times where it's really hard to get close to those deer. Um, we do have big bucks, although I do love to say that, like, yes, in Michigan, there are no big bucks. So nobody come here and take them from us. <laughs> <laughs> But at the same time, we're going to be in these extended seasons. There's going to be a lot of times where, man, it's going to be one uh, either parent or one sibling at home. The crock pot is really going to get out because it's going to get nice and cold out. What are a couple of your uh, top, uh, yeah, let's say your top five. You got to pick five, actually. You can't go deep into your 30. But I need some put-up meals or some, like, freezer bag meals that I can put together, freeze, and then that morning before work, I can pull that bag out, toss it in, and just know that supper's going to be made. Okay. Um, I have So this is something that I haven't maybe dipped my toes into is the freezer meal side because every meal that I make, my family gobbles up, we're all – big people. I mean, I'm six foot. <laughs> my mom's five, nine. My husband and dad are both six, four. We're all big people. We eat all the food I make. Um, but if I had to pick at least a freezer meal, that white gator lasagna or any lasagna, I mean, I grew up on some Stouffer's lasagna and that is good. And I would love to try my gator lasagna or even getting creative on your own with some venison like red sauce lasagna i think that would be an amazing freezer meal um but as far as quick meals i mean any low slow cook meal um i just made a french dip with um axis shank and oh my goodness i know shank is something people don't like to touch with a 30 foot pole but it was good um, I think doing it. Shanks are the unsung hero. This is now, right. Sophie, you are now the third or fourth episode that we have now mentioned Shanks. We have mentioned Shanks on about four episodes in a row. And I think they're just, it doesn't get enough love. Like you're saying, after you yes. go through that process of cooking it down, because I saw those images of your, uh, your Axis Shank, um, French dips. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! I can't even imagine how velvety. Yes, it uh, was soft those so tender were. and so good. The juice that it cooked in, being what you dip that sandwich in. Oh my goodness, that meal was so good. <laughs> so but, I, I like the idea of like the the freezer, like going with the the gator. I'm even thinking like a quick transition just for somebody here that's hunting up in the Midwest, like wild turkey. There's a lot of points that like you get this big breast and you can only smoke so much wild turkey. It is delicious. It's good. But it's like after a while, like you're just sick of sandwiches. You're going to want to move into something else. And so to even hold off one of those breasts to do a roast on it and then you know, shred it like you would with that gator and then be able to put that into a white lasagna. I think that would be a bang up. um, Absolutely. Bang up recipe. And I mean, I did it with pheasant, but I did a a slow cooker pheasant and dumplings. I think doing that with like a turkey, I think that would be amazing as well. Just cooking your turkey in the crock pot with some broth and seasoning, cooking it down until the point that you can shred it real easy. And then I, I do the cheating way. I just use Pillsbury biscuit dough and cooking that into it. Oh, that, that would be a quick, easy, well, not quick because it'd be a slow cooker, but I think that would freeze well. And then just pulling that out, especially on a cold day, that'd be really good. Mm, mm, I like that. I like that. If you were to put together a chili, are you putting in kidney beans or are you putting in black beans? Oh, shoot. This is somebody from Texas. I'm I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I might be from Texas, but I'm not crazy. I know that all my fellow Texans would probably hate me for saying this, but I put red beans in my chili and that could just be my parents both went to school in Louisiana so I grew up on red beans and rice and 
I I love beans. I'm putting that in my chili every time, no doubt. <laughs> you do know we're recording this. This is going to come up yes, for the masses I to know, talk to. And I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably, any Texan that listens to this is probably going to go, oh my goodness, what is she saying? What is but this girl doing? Anytime, if, it, if a chili doesn't have beans on it, it's going on a hot dog or nachos or something. It's got to have beans in it if it's just going to be a soup. <laughs> <laughs> So when you do construct this chili, um, mm-hmm. are you are you really kind of leaning towards the spicy side of it, or do you are, are you going for the more of the savory side? Like when you put it together, is it is it got a, got a whole list of ingredients, or do you have I don't want to say a bare bones, or do you just have like a uh, a a one chili that just does all the jobs of what a chili should do? So I actually cheat when it comes to chili. I grew up on my dad using a kit called Two Alarm Chili, um, and it I love it. It has masa in it to thicken it up a little bit, and then it has cayenne, I believe it's cayenne pepper, and you can pick how spicy that's going to be, and I think it hits both the savory, the spice side, but it, it does it all for you. It comes in a little box at the grocery store, and... I that I I cheat. I use that. It is so good. I have yet my my mother-in-law has a great chili herself, but that is my go-to is that two alarm chili kit. It's easy, grab and go and just put it in the pot. I love it. I love it. We're we're taking another tangent here because I want to stick with this whole mindset here. So here you found something that is box ready that really does do a good job as far as you know, providing like a, a bang up chili. I mean, mm-hmm. someone here from from Michigan, we're going to hear two alarm chili, and we're already going to think that's four alarm. Uh, we're not going to go a dollop of Daisy. We're going three dollops. Put the whole cord <laughs> in. We want to mellow that out. But that's a great thing for people that is, as they continue to cook things throughout the week. Like, man, I, I need a shortcut. Like, you know, I, what's the best thing at? a cook's disposal when people are like, oh, this is so good. How did you do this? And you're like, you know, I, I had to work at it. I had, I had to think it out. And know in the back of your head, like, yeah, I totally shortcutted this, but I'm going to keep that secret to myself. Knowing that you're on uh, an episode here with people who are like-minded, we all want the shortcuts, but we all want to make sure that we give uh, credit to the cook. Do you have another shortcut idea that kind of is like your, your box chili? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I'm not the person that's going to make a pie crust, that's not me. I will use Pillsbury every time. So that pot pie I have on my page, that is going to be your Pillsbury crust. Um, Like I said, the dumplings before, I I don't have the time to sit down and knead that dough. Again, that dough is going to be Pillsbury biscuit dough. Um, Anytime I can take a shortcut, I'm going to, whether it be... I'm not going to make the bread. Maybe I grab some Hawaiian buns, um, egg rolls. I'm going to get the paper, like the egg roll paper at the store. I I will take a shortcut if I can if I can make it happen <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah, I, same thing with puff pastry. If you ever try to use that puff stuff, yes, like, there ain't absolutely. no there ain't no way I am going to make all these layers, and it's just like. There's some factory that's going to pump that out for me, and I'm just going to go with it. I'll do the insides of it, and you just provide something that gets crispy and flaky, and that's all I need from you. Absolutely. I mean, I even do it if, I mean, homemade broth, you can't beat it, but I will, if I'm in a pinch, I'll just grab chicken broth or beef broth, whatever is going to be closest to that flavor profile. I will use it. I again, you can't beat the homemade stuff, but if you need to because of you're in a time crunch, absolutely I will go and grab some beef broth off the shelf. I've got an example that's it's like a shortcut because I'm going to I'm going to do this again. It's it's something that that a 90s lunch lady would totally rock this setup. So we had tacos on Tuesday. You know, obviously. And <laughs> not this Tuesday. I think it was like two two or three Tuesdays ago. But anyway, next day, big soccer day. And one of the boys just, he was not, 
he was not in the mood to go and just partake in practice. He's he's three. It's not even his <laughs> practice. He's just he's falling apart. And the best thing to do for this little guy at this point was just stay home. And my wife was like, "Hey, put put supper together, all right?" And I was like, "Well, what do, what do we want?" And she goes, "Spaghetti. Make spaghetti. Sounds good." So. Most of the family goes off. It's just me and the three-year-old. Three-year-old, I, I put him on his iPad because it's like, bud, I don't know what to do with you right now. You're just, you're beside <laughs> yourself. Like, you just, here, be a human. Just be a lump over here on the side. And I got to figure this out. So I go, and I look in the fridge, and there's no burger unthawed. I was like, crap. Crap, what are we going to do? So I look over, and I I see that we've got frozen burger, but I'm like, there ain't, there ain't enough time to even and i ain't gonna defrost it i'm not or as far as go through the <laughs> microwave like i'm not gonna defrost it that way it just it never works out for me and it just makes a mess and it's it's always like st- like brown and i shouldn't say brown it's always mm-hmm. like gray as soon as you open it up eh, i'm not yeah. gonna do that but then i did notice our leftovers from the night previous so here i have all this taco meat that's ready to go and so we'll get this cheap spaghetti sauce that we just get in a can i we're from we're from michigan she's dutch i'm scottish the furthest thing from anything that's tomato uh (laughs) is our two bloodlines and we're just like so we'll just buy (laughs) store-bought uh spaghetti sauce and then we'll 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 jazz it up we add our own garlic we'll add some fresh basil we'll you know add some oregano in there we'll we'll try to you know jazz it up ourselves and she can tell that when it's jazzed or not jazzed and it's like, all right, well, I, I, I now have, sp- or I have uh, taco meat, and I have you know really cheap spaghetti sauce. We're just gonna make this work. It was like a chop challenge that happened right in front of me. <laughs> so I pour that in, and I heat the whole thing up through, make my pasta, and everything was good to go. So as soon as everybody came in the door, I just plated it up and I slung it in front of everybody. So here I have two boys that just got done with soccer practice that are tired. They were going to pretty much at that point eat anything. I had my wife <laughs> who was famished. She wanted something good, and she knew that spaghetti was coming. And so she was excited for that. The three-year-old, again, he i mean—he just kind of nibbled on a few things. But I got, I got the two older boys to go back for seconds, and that doesn't happen. And That's I got awesome. my wife to say something about it. She's just like, Mm, you did a really good job on this the, this jazz job here. And I was like, thank you. And she's like, but where'd you get the burger? And I was like, <laughs> well, that's the taco meat. <laughs> and she was like, are you kidding me? She's like, she, it blew her mind, but then she actually had to then take one of the pieces, like, you know, scrape off as much of the tomato uh, sauce and then actually try it on its own she's just like it is it's the taco meat but the both those flavors work together so That's awesome. being the lunch lady move my steal my shortcut is if you've got leftover taco meat you can make jazzed up spaghetti the next day that's awesome <laughs> i i love doing that i i remember um i think i yes i have a recipe on my page that I don't know if you've heard of Joshua Weissman, but he, he, I think he got famous off of TikTok, but I follow him and he made these, it was like some kind of, I think it was chicken adobo, but I was like, well, I'm going to try to make it pheasant adobo. And then in his recipe, he had a way to use the leftovers and I made them into, um, dumplings and it was so good just so recycling any leftovers into anything like any kind of food i i made another recipe that ended up making the cut for the page because it just wasn't it was it tasted good wasn't necessarily good to the eye which always stinks because those are downfalls for social media something exactly that's all you got is the image too well (laughs) but i I made it into a pasta and using those leftovers is there's so many different things you can do with it. It is. It is. And being able to just, like you said, recycle it back in, it just, it brings new life to that dish. And then yes, at the same time, easy. keeps everybody I mean, happy. Just, you have a meat that's already been cooked and now you have a, a new dish. Excellent. Excellent. 
Well, Sophie, we have come down to the crescendo of my show, and that is the two-dish breakdown. Okay, this is it. Steaks cooked medium rare. Can I get my steak cooked? That's what, no question. You hungry? Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Fifteen to in you heard about this. I'm going to offer you two scenarios, and you're going to describe to me the dish that you would make for that scenario. The first dish is going to be a dish that you would make for, well, let's just go, let's go with you and your husband, wild game enthusiasts who do enjoy the funk of wild game. What are you making for a night's dinner for just the two of you? I would probably definitely tend towards the Asian realm. And my, so I'm going to go with wild pork in this instance. And my favorite ways to cook that, that I have done so far are the dumpling and bao. And with that, um, you're definitely going to need to marinate it or season it a ton. Um, with the dumplings, I did an overnight marin like marinade with it, and you couldn't even tell what I had done. With the wild pork, um, I used a whole bunch of seasonings, and it went into the Instapot. And it was a quick cook, and it tenderized the pork real quick. It soaked up all that flavor so you didn't have to marinate it. So that that's another thing I would say. If you're in a time crunch and you, you forgot to marinate your food, throw it in the Instapot because that pressure is going to soak that flavor into your meat. Um, so one of those two things, marinate, Instapot, that meat to... I mean, it doesn't take out that flavor. It's still there, but it, it'll tone it down a little. Um, we both noticed, I will say that, we both noticed the um, funk in the bow. Didn't notice it in the dumplings, but I would do one of those two. Um, definitely more towards the Asian side. I'd even look into something that I've wanted to make is um, pho. I've really wanted to make a wild pork pho. I think the broth with that would um, really work well with wild pork or anything that has a funkier flavor. Um, the ginger, Chinese five spice, cinnamon, clove, that all go into that would really work well with the flavor profile of pork. Gotcha, gotcha. I like how you went with like the broth ditch being the is it pho or pho? I don't know what it, what is. I it? grew up saying pho, but I actually went to an international school, and my foreign friends all said pho. So I'll take the page out of their book and say pho. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Your second dish. Mm-hmm. This one's for the pickies. You know, um, I I want you to make a dish that. Every person on the planet would love to eat. Okay. Um, I have a few of these. I've made Chick-fil-A nuggets. Um, The one that I would jump to as of recent that I have made was a buffalo mac. And I use turkey in this, but I think any game would go well because everyone loves mac and cheese. I don't think there's a per unless you're lack like severely lactose intolerant. <laughs> and I even think if you're lactose intolerant, you might just even eat mac and cheese. You anyway. weigh your <laughs> options a little bit. You're like, you know what? That does look, I, is it worth the constipation later? <laughs> yes, exactly. Like mac and cheese is what I think of. Little kids love it. I mean, adults love it too. I think mac and cheese is a home run for anyone. And then absolutely cooking it in the crock pot with broth because that'll make and just cook it low and slow until you can shred that meat. I think that is a very big key. Make sure that you have enough broth in there that it's not going to dry out the meat. 
I think making a meat tender is also a, a major point for people that don't like game. If you don't cook it right, it'll be real tough. And then they won't even have a thought in their mind on how it tastes because they won't be able to get past how tough it is. So definitely make sure that meat is tender. Um, cook it in a crock pot um, and then serve it with some mac and cheese. And I think that is the absolute way to go. I mean, any comfort dish, nuggets, grind it down and bread those bad boys and fry it. Any of those things for your pickiest eater, they're going to love it. Or just take a, a favorite dish that they love, throw it in that. They won't notice. if they, They're like, heck, this is... I don't know our spaghetti and meatballs, but you snuck venison into it. They're not going to know. They're going to be like, heck, you made my favorite dish. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sophie, this has just been a great evening. Thank you so much for taking the time and just getting a chance to chat with me on, you know, a topic that we do. We want it. There's, there's folks out there that want to get real fancy, but a lot of time there's just no time to do it. And at that point too, how am I going to introduce to folks who they're not really open to the idea of fancy wild game? They just want their burger. They just want their your their meatballs and their spaghetti. And you've got you've brought some light into helping us being able to you know utilize more of our wild game and celebrate our hunting and fishing heritage. So thank you for doing that. No problem. And I I tried my best to respond to all my messages on Instagram. And if there is a recipe that you just don't know how to make, I will give it a try. Um, I've had requests for roast and that I'm actually going to try to tackle that this weekend with my, how my mom cooks a roast and tweak it to a game recipe. But if there's something out there that you're just struggling to figure out how to turn it into a game recipe. My messages are open. Excellent, excellent. Where can I send my listeners? What What was your handle again? And where can we find it is you? Wife of a hunter cooks. Unfortunately, I can't have the wife of a hunter handle. Um, but wife of a hunter cooks. I am on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure there's a spot on my website. You can contact me. Um, all those places wifeofahunter.com, wifeofahuntercooks on Instagram. Reach out. Awesome, awesome. I know there's going to be a few folks for sure they are going to want to get a hold of you. So we'll hold on for just a second, Sophie. I'm going to send our listeners on out. Folks, man, it is currently the eve of uh, opening day, archery opening day here in Michigan, and I know people are getting excited. But as you're getting excited for that and you're getting everything sent free, and you're making sure that you got your release and your arrows are tuned and you got every all the snacks packed into the pack for you to go out. Make sure you get that dinner already started at that morning. Make sure it's in the crock pot. Make sure that others don't have to go through the effort of trying to make a midweek meal that you're going to be busy or your partner's going to be busy. Let's go with a couple easy meals this hunting season just to make something that's got comfort food to it but at the same time isn't going to tax the effort of the people around you. But even as you're heating up that crock pot and as you are getting prepared to get out into the field, make sure whatever knife you're going to be using is always sharp.